0: TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren
1: Doogie Wolfson. This could be an early Christmas present or, heck, it could be background noise for your nap. It could be your version of white noise or maybe it's somewhere in between. Here's what I do know. It is Scoop Podcast episode 191. We'll start with a couple conversations, a couple interviews. Then we will, in the latter portion of the podcast, unleash the notes. We will have notes on the twins, the gophers. The Wolves, the Vikings, and whatever else I can unearth on this 18th of December. The podcast is brought to you by MyBookie, MyBookie.com. I'll tell you more about my bookie, some of the great specials they are offering this holiday season in just a bit. It's also brought to you by Steve Heitner's new podcast, Steve Heitner's podcast, That's Gold. I will also tell you more about That's Gold later on. Let's start with ESPN College Basketball Analyst Fran Frischilla. He's been on the podcast before he called the Gophers Boston College game. He has seen over 40 teams in person already this year, whether in practice or during a game. So he's got great knowledge, intimate knowledge of the college basketball scene, including on the Big Ten, including on the Gophers. So we will get to Fran. He's the former head coach in New Mexico, St. John's and Manhattan. He also covers the international basketball scene, the draft scene when it comes to the international talent for ESPN. So I can throw maybe a question about some European prospects to keep an eye on. There is no Luka Doncic in this draft, but there is always, inevitably, always a pretty good European prospect, a guy that is worthy of maybe a late lottery pick or at least a top 20 pick. So figure the Wolves are going to be in that range. So we can throw Fran a question about international draft prospects. Fran, I appreciate your time. All right, let's start big picture. Your overall thoughts on the go. I mean, I'm looking right now. All right. In Ken Palm and the Ken Palm rankings fluctuate, but number 60, number 55 in net rankings, they're nine and two overall. They should be 11 and two heading into the January third game at Wisconsin. I mentioned into the lead into this conversation that you did the Gophers Boston College game. So you've seen the Gophers in person. What are your overall thoughts of the Gophers through these first 11 games?
0: A uh, solid basketball team on the cusp of an NCAA tournament bid. Uh, certainly in the picture, there's no question about that. They're going to play in one of the toughest leagues in the country. And, uh, you know, I think uh, from what I can tell, this Gopher team is still a, a work in progress. And that's a good thing. Um, you know, Eric Curry will certainly make a difference. Uh Brock Stahl still hasn't got his uh, sea legs under him transferring in and being, not really getting to campus till late in the summer. And then just the continued maturity of uh, somebody like Isaiah Washington who's coming off one of his – maybe his best game as a Gopher, uh, you know, last time out. So, uh, obviously, uh, Gabe Kalscher's hit a little shooting slump, but you like what he is capable of doing. And, then, and really the key to this team are going to be the veterans. Um, Jordan Murphy, Coffey, McBrayer. And certainly when Curry comes back, you throw Michael Hurt in there uh, as a role player. And uh, and I think that, uh, you know, all signs are pointing to them making a run in an NCAA tournament bid, although it's not going to be easy because, as you know, there in this league. This year is deep, and uh, there could be as many as, uh, gosh, uh, 10, 11, 12 teams in contention for Uh, NCAA bids as we head into uh, the home stretch in February and March
1: yeah I mean I'm with you Frank I mean 10 11 12 I mean you call the Big Ten one of the toughest conferences in the country I mean is it not the toughest conference in the country
0: well it depends on how you look at it you know I I I kind of I haven't seen the net ratings but I know Ken Palm has the uh, uh, the Big 12 number one Big Ten number two but I would say given that the Big Ten has more teams than the big 12 by a, by a considerable amount that there are more quality teams without a doubt, you know, in the big 10 this year. Uh, and you can make that statement about them having more quality teams in the week than, you know, maybe any other conference in the, in the country. So, uh, yeah, with the amount of teams and the fact that, you know, every, you know, I'm looking at teams like Northwestern and Minnesota and Iowa, Maryland that are all capable of, of getting to the tournament, I, I'd say that uh, one could make the case they are the best league in the country at the moment. Um, but, you know, it's, it's still early, and uh, uh, we're heading into January 1st. So, it, it's you know, it's still everybody's still kind of trying to figure out how good their, their league actually is.
1: Fran, you brought up net rankings. I brought up net rankings. Actually, I actually think the Gophers <laughs> are too low, but what are your overall thoughts on, on the net rankings replacing the RPI? I don't have a problem
0: with it, Darren. Honestly, I, I trust Danny Gavitt and people at the NCAA. And I know there was a lot of consternation when the first uh, rankings came out. In fact, I was in Boston for the you know for the Gophers game at BC, and uh, on the day of the first rankings, and my first reaction to the rankings was that we had just come off Feast Week uh, with you know tournaments all around the country. It was great college basketball, and we were heading into bowl you know college football bowl action in December. And so I thought it was kind of a shrewd move by the NCAA to stir up some conversation and maybe even controversy by releasing the, uh, the first net ranking, you know, the end of November. Um, And it certainly did create some conversation, but as we can see as more games and more data is entered into these rankings, they're starting to uh, look a little little more normal compared for us to college game you know from early November to the early part of April so I have no problem with them and uh, they're great discussion points and um, you know again I think they're going to prove to be reasonably accurate the more the more games we play.
1: Undoing that Gophers Boston college game I mean how goofy was that game not that the Gophers are a great Uh three-point shooting team but I have to imagine that's the mirage not the trend that they won't have a worse three-point shooting game all season.
0: Well, I think sometimes what you do, especially a team that's well coached, and I do believe the Gophers are well coached, that you you have a game like that, and you go right back and say, you know, I, I might have, you may have heard me say this during that game, that they were shooting too many threes. That um, you can really get baited into threes uh, when somebody plays a zone. And to me, I always felt the best way to attack a zone was from the paint out. And and you know they're playing you zone for a reason. Either they don't think they can guard you, and and, and in this case. Jordan Jordan Murphy's going to always be a tough matchup. Or they don't think you can shoot. So it seems to me that whenever I had teams that had a combination of both of those characteristics, we would say, well, let's just go take their heart out by by getting the ball inside. And so I wouldn't be surprised if and when uh, the Gophers see more zone over the course of the year that they do play more inside out. I also think that was a weird game. It was a late start, as I recall, 9 o'clock on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And it was also the end of a, a fairly strenuous road trip for the Gophers where they went from Minneapolis to Vancouver, uh, back to Mini for a br- brief uh, day or two, and then on to the East Coast. So um, I would chalk that up to uh, you know, just the fact that uh, uh, they, they may have been a little road-weary uh, in, that, in that particular game.
1: The arena was empty too, wasn't it? That was it weird. Was.
0: <laughs> yeah, it,
1: it really was. It had all the markings of a game that
0: uh, you know BC was BC. I think had come off. Uh, I can't remember if it was a game before, but I know BC seemed to need this game. Hate to say it needed it. Hate to say they needed it more than the Gophers, but they certainly played with a little bit more desperation. I would say
1: you touched briefly on richard patino you think he's a good coach why what what Mm -hmm. makes patino a good coach in your opinion
0: well i think his team's organized i think they have a plan i can tell uh you know i can tell watching a team practice shoot around um watch a coach in game i mean he makes i think he makes really good decisions uh you know is he the best coach in the country i think even richard would say he's not he's still a young guy with who's a work in progress but uh you know his teams are generally the, and I've covered them. I think almost every year that Richard's been there, mm-hmm. um, going back to the NIT run in his first year. Um, but yeah, I, I think that uh, I watch their team, and I think they have a sense of what you know what they're what they're trying to do, who their who their strengths are, who they normally should play through, and and uh, and so yeah, from that perspective, I think he does a good job.
1: Bouncing all over the place. Who is the best coach in your opinion? I mean, if. If Patino's not, and yeah, I think we can all admit Richard Patino is is far from being yeah. the the best coach in the country. Who do you think is the best coach in the country?
0: You know, there's so many so many reasons. There's so many. Um, what's the best way to put it? There's so many categories. You know of what makes a great coach. You know, uh, and I, I, I. For example, I just saw Penn beat Villanova last week at the Palestra, and uh, there aren't five. In my opinion, there aren't five better offensive coaches in the country? than Steve Donahue, and yet most college basketball fans don't know who Steve Donahue is, even though he went to the NCAA tournament last year with Penn. Uh, Same can be said for guys like Rick Bird at Belmont and, of course, Bob McKillop at Davidson through the years. Um, And and the guys that do a great job with less material. Um, If I was starting a program nowadays, I don't think you could go wrong with Bill Self, uh, Tom Izzo certainly. I think Tony Bennett has to be in the picture Mark Few, you know, to me, these are guys that no, not only have proven to be great coaches, but also excellent recruiters represent their school well. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and on a program is the, as far as handling, uh, the media responsibilities, you know, the, the fans, you know, different things that go into being a college basketball coach at a high major level.
1: You a fan of Eric Musselman?
0: Uh, Eric Musselman is a good friend and, uh, one of those guys that was hiding in plain sight for a couple of years as he built the program at, at Nevada. And uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of Eric's. I think Eric's a tremendous coach and uh, it's so ironic that he's building his Nevada program much like he did when he was a coach GM in the old CBA, you know, with uh, for lack of a better term, free agents, uh, both he and his dad who, who I became very friendly with bill um, were were consumed by the game. And also, we're in situations where they didn't always have the easy job. Let's say in a conference or in a league, and uh, so I am a I am a big fan of Eric's. I'm following him from uh, afar, and I'm very happy for his success.
1: Give us a little bit more on Jordan Murphy now, Robbie Hummel. I'm sure you know Robbie. We got to know Robbie here yeah. in town when he played for the Wolves. I think he's doing a great job on Big Ten Network. I really enjoy yeah. watching him analyze the game. But, however. He had a list on TV the other day of the top big men (laughs) in the Big Ten. Fran, somehow he did not include Jordan Murphy. Like, to me, it's impossible to take any list seriously of the best big men in the Big Ten if Jordan Murphy's not on the list. I'm not saying he needs to be number one, but if he's not on your list, if you have four, five, six guys on that list, Murphy has to be on it.
0: Well, you you and I probably talked about this last year, and I know you've heard me probably say this or you've seen me say it on Twitter for sure, but... To me, Jordan Murphy's one of the best players in college basketball. I mean, you know, right now he's playing on a team that's still trying to figure out how good they can be. But I, I distinctly remember early last season um, in, in watching him play and uh, covering that uh, Miami loss at home. It was a game that they desperately missed pre McBrayer. McBrayer. Um, Miami double team Jordan Murphy. You really can't guard him one-on-one, in my opinion. And uh, I don't know how good an NBA player he'll be. He'll certainly get a chance. But I think he's one of the best power forwards in college basketball. He's a relentless rebounder. The double-doubles speak for themselves. He's become an even better offensive player over his four years. He came in unheralded out of San Antonio. And uh, I'll have to have a talk with Robbie because I, I agree with you. He does an excellent job. And uh, I had this discussion this summer with Alex Bozich, who, who's a uh, Terrific blogger down at IU. I I think Jordan Murphy is easily one of the five to seven or eight best players in the entire Big Ten. And that says something this year in a league that we know is very, very strong. And uh, I'll go to bat for him. And uh, although he probably doesn't need me, I'll, I'll certainly go to bat for him.
1: I do wonder if he's a little too undersized to play in the NBA. But how about this, friend? Do you realize the last time the Gophers had a player drafted in the NBA draft, so I'm not talking, you know, the G League or anything like that. The actual NBA draft, Chris Humphreys in 2004. I mean, that to me is ridiculous that this program hasn't produced an NBA player in the last 14 years or 13 years.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. That is amazing. I think I actually, uh, yeah, I I, I didn't know that, but that's an amazing stat, especially when you think of the great uh, NBA history that the Gophers had going back to the 70s and 80s and 90s, certainly. So that is a surprise. Um, I didn't know that.
1: I mean, if it's not Murphy, I mean, does a guy like Daniel Oturu, a guy like Amir Coffey, do they have NBA potential?
0: Well, I think they have potential. I think Daniel's got to come – I think Daniel's done a terrific job for a freshman being thrust in there. He's definitely got a ways to go offensively. I think he's got to really improve his hands. Not uncommon with big guys. I mean, he gets a he gets his hands on a lot of balls, but he hasn't really been able to finish this year. But certainly down the road, I thought two years ago when I saw Eric, Eric Curry play as a freshman before the knee injury, I thought he has, uh, I I thought he had and still does have a chance, depending on how quickly he comes back. I think he's like the prototype NBA energy big. Uh, doesn't have to score points, rebounds, plays hard, runs the floor, so. If I had to pick a guy, certainly Amir Coffey going to get his opportunity. There's no question about it. But I would think if Eric Curry comes back healthy and, and you know has the kind of career that I think we all expect him to have, I could see him uh, playing in the league and and being one of those you know rotation guys and, and and playing for quite a while because he is the ultimate role player, which is why I think it's going to be exciting for the Gophers to get him back soon.
1: Fran, in all your years of being a head coach, did you ever lose two assistants? In one offseason. And I bring that up because Petino did. I mean, he lost Ben Johnson to Xavier. He lost yep. Kamani Young to UConn. Now, th- those are good jobs, but it's not like he yeah. lost either for a head coaching job. Like you'd understand if if both guys left for head coaching opportunities, but they left for assisting coaching jobs. So I'm just curious what that adjustment period is like when you replace two guys on your staff.
0: Well, it happens all the time, really. I mean, it's uh, it's not unusual unless you're out of blue blood. But, you know, in Kamani's case, having known him since he was a college player, and he actually worked my camps in Manhattan, I think this was a golden opportunity for him to get back close to home. And anybody knows Kamani's situation, they know he's great. He's a single parent raising his children, and mm-hmm. a great young guy. And so I understood that. And, of course, Xavier has that cachet, the Big E, certainly. But, uh You know, it's part of the. uh, It's it's really just part of the landscape, and I did have to go through this on occasion. I had I had one assistant who's now assistant GM of the Thunder, Troy Weaver, who came into my office one day when I was at New Mexico, and he looked at me and he said, "Coach uh, Jim Beheim just called," and he had this this look of consternation on his face, and I said, (laughs) "You're going home," you know. He's a DC guy. I said, "Hey." You're in New Mexico, okay? You're in witness protection. You get a chance to go to the <laughs> It's a no-brainer, so you have to be prepared for it, and you have to tra- I think you have to train everybody on your staff to, uh, you know, pick up, pick up, uh, pick up the pace, if you will, when you do lose guys, because it is inevitable for the most part.
1: It's not exactly breaking news, friend, that the Final Four is here in early April. I mean, it always comes down to matchups. But do you like the chances of of at least one Big Ten team being here in Minneapolis in early April?
0: Well, I do. I do. I think Michigan's the best team I've seen in person this year. And I've seen just about everybody. I think I've seen everybody, uh, you know, in the top 10, uh, maybe outside of, uh, Virginia and Nevada in person. Uh, and I love Michigan. I think Michigan, uh, although they have not been as sharp in these, uh, couple of these non-conference games against lesser foes here the last couple of weeks, I think that they've got a great combination of both offense and defense and, uh, so I really I do, I do like uh, Michigan quite a bit. You can't discount, obviously, Michigan State. Uh, I'm not sure after that that uh, any of the teams that uh, are going to be in the NCAA tournament, teams like Wisconsin and Indiana, can get to the Final Four. But I, I certainly think that um, Michigan and Michigan State have the capability. And, of course, nobody's better at uh, negotiating the NCAA tournament uh, than Tom Izzo uh with seven appearances so um those two teams stick out but i, I think those teams are going to hit some bumps along the way there in the conference play. that's for sure
1: maybe nobody better than tom is it but john beeline has to be close isn't
0: he he's getting there i mean he's a guy that uh our first my first year at division one back in 1992 93 uh was his as well uh at canisius and i was at manhattan in the same league so i've, I've bumped heads with john uh four times four years and uh He's one of the outstanding coaches in the country, and it's so amazing because uh, a lot of a lot of your listeners might not know this. He's never been an assistant coach at any level. He has never ever been an assistant coach. It's been, you know, I think high school, JUCO, D three, D two, you know, right up the list. And so uh, he's had a remarkable career, and I think he's very close uh, here to being a, uh, you know, I think someday making the hall of fame. They say he's had that kind of career. Perfect example of a guy that I uh,
1: mentioned earlier when you were talking about it. Uh, this is a guy, I think,
0: uh, if I was an AD, I would want him running my program as well.
1: What about an NBA general manager? I've had NBA friends tell me that they think John Beeline would be a good pro coach.
0: Yeah, I just don't think he's at the stage of his career that may, it makes sense to him. Um, I really don't. I think, you know, John is probably now in his mid-60s, and uh, and I I honestly think people don't realize the adjustment. Uh the difference between college basketball and the NBA is the difference between Spanish and Portuguese. <laughs> they sound alike, yeah. but they're two completely different languages. So um, there are coaches that can make the adjustment, but I just think at this point in his career, I just wouldn't see that happening.
1: I'll let you go after two more. Who is the best NBA prospect in the Big Ten? Is it the Langford kid from Indiana?
0: That is a really good question. Uh, I would say that uh, – He well, I'll tell you, he's certainly going to go high. There's some things I really love about him, and there's some things I think I think he's. I know I know this is ridiculous when you say this, but you know, because Indiana fans would disagree. But he's an average NBA athlete. Um, You know, if you ever get over and watch the T Wolves or uh, you know every given night, uh, Romeo's a tremendous college player. He was a great high school player. But there's still some things he has to work on, and he's going to come into the league as an average NBA athlete. That's just the reality. It doesn't mean he won't be a good player, because I do, do think he does. But the Bruno Fernando, to me, is a guy that, you know, I see him in the late second round. I think he's in a – it kind of surprises me. I mean, we have some really good people at ESPN that uh, they have him 57th, and uh, watching him play, I think he's dramatically improved. And he, he fits the bill, because in the NBA, if you're a big guy that will run, rebound, block shots, screen and roll and run to the rim and catch lob dunks, uh, you can make a lot of money. So he kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, former Kentucky star Bam Adebayo. And then, uh, you know, after that, I'm a Carson Edwards guy. Uh, He's uh, acquired taste. He's a six-foot two guard, um, likely to go at the end of the first round. But I saw him drop 40 on Texas, and he doesn't have a lot of help. And uh, while he's not your prototype NBA two guard, I think there's a place in the league for a guy that can score like he can.
1: Is there a place for Ethan Happ? It's a good question, man. Ethan Happ's going to go down uh,
0: as one of the you know the great Big Ten players of the last twenty five years.
1: Exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah. But he might not get and, drafted. Uh, yeah, well, it's crazy. You know, I, if I had to bet, I think he's going to make a roster. Um, the shooting is a problem; it really is, uh, Darren. But. The rebounding, uh, he's an outstanding defender. He, you know, he's, 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 he's always around the steel leaders in the Big Ten. Obviously, he's a great passer out of the post. I think he'll make a roster. I really do. And the reason I say that is there's 15 guys on a team now. And even if he's a two-way guy, I can't imagine that someone won't keep him around just because he does some things extremely well, like rebound it and, and pass it.
1: And we'll leave you with this, with the expertise you have on the on the international scene, is there I get it that, that there's not a Dontich with this draft, right. but is there somebody that Wolves fans, Timberwolves fans, should be aware of in that, you know, like twelve to twenty two range, a player or two that, that fits that bill?
0: Yes, there's a young man from France. His name is Dumbaya, uh, six foot nine, only nineteen years old, kind of a three four um, very athletic, great motor. His agent has a lot of the French players playing in the league, so they've managed his career well so far. Playing in the French uh, Pro A, the highest league. Um, so he's sitting there right in the middle of that 10 to 20. Right now, I would think he's in that 10 to 18 range. And, uh, you know, certainly the T the Wolves and everybody else, uh, you know, everybody else, everybody in the league knows about him. But, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's a very interesting prospect, you know, 6'9 athlete. That's a pretty good start.
1: Fran, always enjoy our conversations, and happy holidays to you and yours.
0: Thank you, Darren. Always always enjoy talking to you, and uh, we'll catch up uh, later in the year. We
1: transition from the college game to the pro game, although I suppose we could go down college memory lane with our next guest. He won multiple championships with the Chicago Bulls. He is now an agent. He represents Derrick Rose of the Wolves. He represents Draymond Green of the Warriors and a handful of other players. It is B.J. Armstrong. B.J., thanks for hopping on the podcast, the Scoop Podcast. Speaking of podcasts, let's just start there. You have your own podcast. It's available on Podcast One. It is called In the Key. Take us through how much fun you're having doing the podcast and how it came about.
2: Yeah, well, it's In the Key is just um, the opportunity to talk about, you know, two of the, my favorite topics, uh, which is, you know, uh, you know, first is the obvious is basketball. I basketball has been a, such a huge part of my life and growing up and playing it and having the opportunity to play it professionally. So uh, just talking about, you know, sports, uh, basketball. And my other favorite passion is talking about music, uh, hip-hop music. So we thought we would combine the two, call it in the key, Um uh, we're talking about music and sports. You know, um, as a player, I was, I was always excited to meet some of the favorite artists, whether that was Prince up there in Minneapolis or, mm-hmm. you know, the late Michael Jackson or, you know, tupac and these guys i would see them around at sporting events and uh, became a big fan growing up in the 80s and 90s and following music so i get a chance to talk about it so it's been fun and um you know i love talking to you know today's kids about music and what they're listening to so uh it's been a lot of fun in the key i hosted with uh my co-host uh Gerald brown and uh, we have a lot of fun
1: how often do you guys put out some episodes yeah, we try to put out like
2: once a week, and uh, you know, we get out and as you know, you know, getting guests and having fun guests and scheduling and and uh, you know around you know what we do. So, uh, but it's been a lot of fun, and uh, we're having a lot of fun with them, We've had some great guests, and whether they're sports people, basketball entertainers, and, and artists. So, it's it's been uh, it's been a blast.
1: It's just talking in general too, just a passion. I mean, you're mentioning talking about hoops, talking about music, but. Correct me if I'm wrong, before you made the transition to, to being an agent, didn't you work at ESPN for a while? Did you just like, in general, being an extrovert and communicating with people?
2: Uh, well, you know, it, it's kind of funny, you know. Uh, I, I don't think, you know, it's like I, I'm not – I don't I don't consider myself uh, a, a very talkative person, but I like to hear when people have something to share from their experiences. I love to, you know, have conversations and meet people and, and hear life from their perspective. So – I think this gives me an opportunity to, to learn more than anything um, and share the experiences. You know, if you know if someone, you know, I, I love to hear from, you know, whether it's Phil Jackson, his experience. You know, I love to hear people, or Greg Popovich, or people who have been successful, I love to hear their experience and share their story. You know, it's one thing to, you know, say something or repeat something that you heard, but it's another thing to actually share the experience. So I think this just gives me an opportunity to hear people and learn from people, but more importantly, get an opportunity to have a one-on-one conversation where, you know, you share your experiences and uh, you never know, you might grab a thing or two that's, uh, that you can take away for your, from yourself. And um, so I wouldn't consider myself as a person I have to talk, but I, I definitely love to hear people and their success stories and, and how they got to where, you know, how they achieve their success or, or as they go on their path and their journey.
1: Well, speaking of that, achieving success, your client, Derek Rose of the Wolves, I mean, whether it's sixth man of the year, heck, you can make a case, he might belong in the All-Star game, you know, most improved player, I mean, where has this come from? I mean, it's interesting, BJ, how much has changed in a year? I mean, I'm trying to circle back to a year ago, December of 2017, I mean, for the most part, wasn't he rotting away on the bench in Cleveland with his future unknown?
2: Well, you know, I've had the opportunity to, you know, watch this from the beginning. So, um, you know, being persistent and understanding who you are and what you can do, I think is a it's a great value and it's a great lesson for anyone. Um and I, I think the of uh, believing in yourself, but more importantly understanding, you know, what you're capable of doing, I think is the lesson that's learned here. Um you know, people are going to have their own perspective, and they're entitled to that. They're entitled to say what they think they see. But, you know, um, you know, sometimes you know, you know what's inside of a person. And I've been very fortunate to work with a young man, uh, Derrick Rose, where I had an I've had an opportunity to get to know him get to understand him and understand that, you know what, what he brings, you just can't measure it. I mean, this young man has an incredible passion for the game, Um, you know, and he's been able to be very persistent, you know, as I, I think Derek will be the first to tell you, the only way you can fail is not get up and try. And so Derek has understood that, you know, he's had some obstacles like everyone in life has obstacles. But I think the lesson to be learned is, is, you know, you fall down, you know, and you get back up and you, trying and you keep moving on and you keep being persistent and uh throughout this journey he's never lost focus of who he was and what he could do uh it was somewhat of a you know i think it's a life lesson for all of us you know you just you keep moving you, you keep it moving you keep it going and uh, you continue to try and try and uh this young man certainly is uh, put in the work and the effort and i think now everyone is getting the opportunity to see what he's been doing, and, um, you know, and it's it's been good for him because this is something that he loves to do, and he's living out his dream of playing professional basketball.
1: I mean, safe to say, BJ, as mentally strong, and heck, you've been around a lot of special people. I mean, heck, Michael Jordan, for God's sakes, but is Derek as mentally strong an individual as anybody you've ever been around?
2: Well, you know, you know the things you, you, you know, we, we talk about, and, you know, you talk about Michael, are the things that you see, right? They're like the obvious. Um, You know, I'm a kid from Detroit, and Derek is a kid from Chicago, and those are like blue-collar cities, right? (laughs) And um, every day I got up and I saw my parents go to work. Every single day, right? Uh, No matter if they were sick, how they were feeling, they had to do what they had to do. Uh, Derek grew up in Chicago. I mean, the story is well-documented. You know, he grew up in a tough environment. So I think Derek is just doing what he has seen in his entire life. This is what people do. People work. People have obstacles to overcome. People have things they have to do and get to where they have to get to, and you you fight through it, right? It's not all perfect. It's not all roses. You have to, you know, you have to learn how to fight. And certainly growing up how Derek grew up, uh, with his family, you know he is a fighter. <laughs> so uh, I think there are millions of stories, uh, but certainly this is one. There's an, another example of not giving up, but more importantly, the people around you have the confidence to say, you know what, not to allow you to give up. So uh, I think it's just it's just a it's a human it's a human story where, you know what, you know you, you, you're going to have something going on. But at the same time, you have a responsibility to continue to move on and to continue to fight, and, and I just think there are a lot of stories like this out there, but certainly this is one that has been brought to our attention because of the profession that he's chosen, which is professional basketball, so we get a chance to see it and view it and witness it in the public. But uh, behind the scenes, uh, there's millions of people where, you know what, you got to do what you got to do, and uh, those people need to be, you know what, they're teachers and firemen, people that every single day that dedicate their lives to the community and the, and the benefit of others, and those people need to be congratulated as well.
1: I mean, how much does it help, too, BJ, that, that, okay, it's one thing to be a fighter, but you also need the right support system in place. And, I mean, in Derek's case, I mean, he's got the head coach, the president of the organization, Tom Thibodeau, who believes in Derek? Right, where I mean, you had multiple options last March. You could have gone somewhere else. You know, you guys decided to reunite with Tibbs. Then in July, you guys were free agents. You could have gone somewhere else. You decided to stay here in Minnesota, reunite once again with Tibbs. How how unique? How strong is that relationship, Derek, with Tibbs?
2: Well, you know, um, you know, I've known Coach for God, it's probably about twenty five years now. So I, you know, it's funny. Uh, I remember when he first got, uh, you know, when I first met him, and it was a possibility that they, you know, that he was going to possibly coach the Bulls, and and I remember thinking, God, they're like the they're like the same person, right? And and what I mean by that is very 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 focused on the task at hand, and uh, you know, Derek is only concerned about winning, you know, and you hear people say that, but then when you meet Derek, you realize that. He really doesn't care about anything else other than just winning and uh, that's just kind of his focus and when you watch coach coach Tibbs he's only concerned about the game you know he's not worried about what's going on before the game or after the game he just coaches the game in the moment every play and uh, they have a, a focus and I think it's their focus is because they they're lifers they're basketball lifers they're not like you know, Coach Thibodeau is not a coach, and Derek is just not a player. This is their life. This is what they do. This mm-hmm. is what they were. You know, if you asked them, they would both say this is what they were born to do. Co- you know, Coach Tibbs was, he was born to coach, and Derek was born to play. And they're lifers, and they take their profession very, very serious. And uh, so when I I get a chance to see them and work together, it just works because they are both thinking about basketball 24 hours. And um, and I, I just think it, it's a rarity that you see people who have dedicated their life to something like those two have. And, uh, and I think that's probably why they get along and it works for them. That they, they both, you know, what they love the game of basketball and they will talk the game. You know, Derek and I, we, we can just talk basketball all day. And then when you talk to Coach Tibs and I, we can just talk basketball. And I think that's why it works. I you put those two together and uh, you can see why they've both achieved so much success in their careers.
1: When Derek isn't talking basketball, is he talking about his kids? I mean, from your expert point of view, BJ, do you think fatherhood has changed Derek?
2: Yeah, I, I think, you know, when you have an opportunity to become a parent, um, I think it gives you a different perspective, right? And uh, so I, I, I think it has changed him and in in, uh, giving him the opportunity to see the world through the eyes of a child, to see, you know, I remember when he first had his, you know, his son, you know, I, I, I thought it was great. I was like, you know what, now you have an opportunity. Your son will remember this for the rest of his life, and you'll be able to share his memories of watching dad play, and now he has a daughter, and to, and to have that opportunity, to know that your son, your daughter, your child is watching everything you do. I mean, it's, it's, it's very special. So I think every moment that he has an opportunity to play, it's very special for him because he's creating a memory and, um, and every opportunity is a chance. Um, I didn't have that chance when I was, when my, my kids weren't, weren't born until after I got done playing, but I, in knowing, you know, like listening to Steph Curry talk about his, I remember when Steph Curry, I played with uh, Dale in Charlotte, Charlotte for a year or two. That's and right I remember here. talking to Steph about what it was it like to remember your dad. And he just had the, the greatest stories of his dad taking him to the All-Star weekend and watching his dad play and so forth. And uh, I just passed that on to Derek, you know, and just said, you know what, it's very special that your kids will be able to remember this. And uh, I think he kind of took it to heart and uh, he's just trying to create the greatest memories that I think will last a lifetime for him and all of the fans and the people up there in Minnesota that will remember. Uh, Still to this day, you know, people will come up to me and say, oh, I remember watching you play when I was a kid. And I just, I always took that to heart because uh, you never know who's watching and you just always want to be at your best, even when you're not your best, but at least you want to give the effort to try to do your best night in and night out.
1: I completely forgotten you played in Charlotte. Apologies. I mean, I just – I associate uh, yeah, you with yeah, Chicago. For, yeah, yeah. I forgot. I mean, you also yeah, played more played Golden it State it in, show, in Orlando. Uh,
2: yeah, I played in with, uh, with, with We had a pretty good team with Lottie Divac, Dil Curry, uh, you know, the uh, late uh, Anthony Mason, uh, Glenn Rice was on their team. And uh, so uh, I, I remember watching both, you know, when, when Steph uh, – and Seth would come to the gym and they were little kids he would bring them to practice I remember and they would sit there and they would just watch and I just thought it was always funny how these kids would not move the entire practice and then there was this little kid stuff who always wanted to sh- play horse <laughs> barely <laughs> throw the ball up there at the time but he was always in the gym and, uh, and look at him now I mean you know you just never know you know who's who and uh, the kid you know obviously he was learning something while he was uh, watching all this practice
1: I'll let you go after a couple more, BJ. What's the future hold, do you think, for Derek? I mean, you guys are free agents again here in July. I mean, is there some thought about staying here long-term in Minnesota?
2: Without question. I mean, you know, Minnesota has been wonderful. Um, It's always been one of my favorite cities. And I remember when when the Timberwolves first came and uh, joined the NBA uh, up there, I, I just thought it was always a terrific city um uh, some of my good friends up there Trent Tucker still lives up there
1: yeah Trent's great
2: yeah I've always been very fond of the city and I've when I was in college at the University of Iowa was always able to come up there and play the play the golfers up there so um Derek is he's loved it up there and um you know we would love to stay up there I mean Derek loves it up there and but you know it's like anything in life you never know where sports will go where the team will go and and that's a conversation that we'll have at the at the right time. I think right now, um, you know, we're right in the thick of the season. But overall, if we had our choice, look, we would love to stay there. We I, I think it's been a good fit. Uh, Derek has enjoyed his time. I know his family lives up there, um, and uh, it's been great fans and great support. And the organization has been terrific. I mean, they've been they've been nothing short of phenomenal uh, with this. You know this. Derek's return and what they're doing up there. And they're right in the thick of it. You know, they made the playoffs last year. And I'm sure this year they're looking for bigger and better things. So it's been a great fit. Um, but you know what? We've, you know, we've been around. I've been around this business to understand that it is a business at the end of the day. But if uh, we can write out our dream scenario without question, I think it would, it would fit right up there in Minneapolis and, and be able to finish his career up there with just uh it would be a, it'd be a great end to the, you know, a, a, a great chapter, a great career to finish this career up in Minneapolis, if given that. But, you mm. know, we'll see what the future holds, and uh, and right now we'll just take it one day at a time.
1: Any particular memories of, of playing in the barn? I mean, it would have been – I mean, you guys were loaded, right? Your Iowa Hawkeye team, but the Gophers had some good players, right? I mean, that would have been, what, the Willie been, Burton time and the really, Melvin really, Burton, yeah. New yeah. Burton time? really
2: good players. Uh,
1: Richard Coffey? I think
2: it was up there. Uh, I think it was like John Shasky. Lilly Burton, mm-hmm. uh, those guys were out there. uh we were playing. They're always really good teams, and uh, I can't remember the arena, but I just remember it was elevated. And yeah, I remember it, it was uh Williams was thinking, Arena. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was up there, and uh, it was always a tough place to play. Great fans up there, and uh, um, I, I just remember it was it was uh, it was always tough. It was always always tough, and they always had really good teams. And the Big Ten was, but the Big Ten was tough. We're talking in the eight. I see. I started in '85, so '85 to like '89, right around there. When the Big Ten with Illinois and Michigan and Michigan State and Minnesota, and Indiana, Wisconsin, and Indiana, Ohio State. So it was really good teams. Yeah, Indiana was was always. I think they won a national title during that time as well. Michigan did so, um, but there were were good memories. And uh, like I said Minnesota was always a. It was always cold, but uh, I loved the uh, Minnesota wild rice soup. I remember that that was that was like my that was my intro in college. I couldn't wait to get it. There. I was like, oh, what is this? <laughs> you know. It was, so it's always uh, it, I, Minnesota is uh, it's, been, it's been a good place,
1: and wild rice soup is is still a go-to. I'll leave you with this. It's an obvious talking point when when talking to you. I mean, how often are you asked about your time with Michael Jordan, and do you and Michael still keep in pretty regular contact?
2: Well, that's, yeah, I, I get that question quite frequently, and uh so, I mean, Michael what he was able to achieve in his career, you know, speaks for itself, you know, the funny part is, you know, none of us knew it at that time, that he would go on to be considered the greatest player to perhaps ever play, and, uh, you know, he was just like the rest of us, just a young kid trying to figure it out, trying to, you know, be recognized, you know, as is one of the best at your at your position let alone in the history of the game. So uh you know um he was he was great. He was a great teammate. Um I still speak with him and he's the owner now of the uh of the Charlotte Hornets and uh mm-hmm. so it, it's it's always a blast and always fun when we have to negotiate against each other. It's it's just like, how, how do you negotiate against your friend, you know? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know and, and one time you were a player, so you understand this, you would think. But now he's moved on to his. he's got his owner hat on. So we laugh, we see each other from time to time. Uh, I see him always at All-Star Weekend, which this year will be in Charlotte. So I'm sure we'll catch up there. And uh, and I see him, you know, quite, you know, from time to time at different places, whether it's in L.A. or, or what have you. So But it's always fun. He was terrific. He had a phenomenal career. Now he's transitioned on to be an owner in the league and doing a great job up there in Charlotte. And, uh, you know, I think his contributions what he did and, you know, how he was able to navigate that, you know, not only on the court as a a player, but how he's able to do that and transcend it off the court and maximize his potential there. And I, I think it's been transformational and I've been an example for today's players, whether it's, you know, LeBron James or Kevin Durant and Steph Curry. I think all of those guys have benefited from what he was able to do, and as he benefited from the players before him. So, um, you know, you just want to try to carry on the tradition. You try to carry on. And be an example for the next generation. And uh, I think this league right now is in good hands.
1: BJ, fun conversation. Keep kicking butt with your podcast, okay? And I appreciate yeah, the time. I definitely
2: will. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: Former NBA player, former NBA executive, was actually in the Bulls front office for a little bit, former ESPN talking head. Now a longtime agent, represents Draymond Green, Josh Jackson, Derek Rose, who obviously we talked about at length, and others for Wasserman Media That was B.J. Armstrong. The Scoop Podcast is brought to you in part by That's Gold with Steve Heitner. If you like this podcast, I bet you'll like Steve's. You may know Steve if you're a Seinfeld fan as Jerry's annoying comedian friend, Kenny Bania, who coined the term That's Gold, Jerry. On That's Gold, Steve is joined by co-host Rich Johnson to talk about everything guys love, sports, sports betting, movies, comedy, food, drink, music. Vegas and more five days a week. Wouldn't it be nice to have time to do five podcasts in a week? Well, guess what? Steve Heitner has that time. It's like having a conversation with your buddies at a bar. A bar where famous guests oftentimes show up to shoot the breeze. Check out That's Gold with Steve Heitner on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's get to notes. Let's start with the Twins. On Tuesday, on this date, the 18th of December, Troy Tulowitzki, the free agent infielder, Held a showcase. I was asked on social media, was asked via email for sure. Can't remember. Maybe I wasn't on social media. Anyway, somebody threw me the question Hey, were the twins at Troy Tulowitzki's workout? Not that logically he makes any sense anyway, but I was asked, Hey, the twins oftentimes do their due diligence. They go to a lot of showcases, workouts. Were the twins at Troy Tulowitzki's workout? Well, I found out the answer. The answer is no. The twins are not in the mix for Troy Tulowitzki. They did not attend his showcase on Tuesday. The Twins are still very much in the mix for Nelson Cruz. I've been asked, hey, how would you rank? You know, would they trade for a bat potentially if if they can't sign Cruz? I don't necessarily know if it's Cruz or bust, but I'm told that Cruz is by far their top priority. I mean, I've been asked about Enwin Encarnacion, some others. I just sense that they aren't doing anything until there's closure on the Cruz front. Now, the Astros are still in the mix. The Astros add Michael Brantley. But I'm told the Astros are still looking for a right-handed bat. So the Astros look like the Twins' main competition. The White Sox have kicked the tires as well. But certainly the Twins internally feel like, hey, you know, we definitely have a shot to land Nelson Cruz. So talks are ongoing, as are talks with free agent relievers, Tony Sipp, Adam Warren, Cody Allen. There's some others that they've kicked the tires on Now, the Star Tribune report that they've kicked the tires on Kelvin Herrera, I actually even loosely tossed out his name on a recent podcast. I've actually done some digging because somebody reached out to me based on the Star Tribune report to say, no, we'd love for Herrera to end up in a Twins uniform. Logically, the Twins make all sorts of sense, but as of now, the Twins have not registered interest in Kelvin Herrera. It is slow on the starter front. The Twins have touched base on free agents like Miley Cahill, Kikuchi, but there is not serious interest being shown in any of those guys. On Charlie Morton, I have reported that the Twins were not players for Morton. Now, the Star Tribune reported that Rocco Baldelli reached out to Morton. I don't doubt that one, but I can just tell you, more so from the Morton side, that they never had any sense whatsoever that the Twins were seriously interested in Charlie Morton. He went to Tampa two years, $30 million. I mean, that is a doable contract. If the Twins had serious interest in Morton, they could have easily gotten a deal done. So I'm not disputing that Baldelli reached out to Morton. I'm sure there was a conversation, but to suggest that the Twins had heavy interest in Charlie Morton is absolutely wrong. The Twins did show brief interest in free agent Wilson Ramos before he signed with the Mets. But their interest never became serious. The Twins were not serious players for Wilson Ramos. The Twins had a scout at a showcase Monday in Tijuana. Lots of good Mexican League players took part. All right, let me give some love to my bookie, mybookie.com. We'll get to some Vikings notes. Some wolves notes in just a second, but my bookie has been on board now since the beginning of the football season. So they are all in on helping keep the scoop podcast going. So I'm forever indebted to mybookie, mybookie.com. Remember who you're betting on is just as important as who you are betting with. That's why I recommend MyBookie. If you don't trust me, just go to Google. Google My Bookie Reviews. The reviews online are fantastic. I'm telling you. That's why I'm urging you to make. Your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, over-unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. And here's all you need to know. I mean, hey, are they a great company? Are they not? They are slammed with new business, new betters. So that means a lot of people are on board. They get it. My bookie is fantastic. So if you're willing to deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, they will give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. You join now, my bookie will match you deposit dollar for dollar. But you need to use the promo code SCOOP. Use the promo code SCOOP to activate the offers to get all the great perks. It's up to you guys. I would take advantage of this opportunity now. If you're looking for a little bit extra money here this holiday season, if you have a good feel on a particular game, on a particular player, Hey, if you have that feel, why not make some money off that feel? You play, you win, you get paid. It is mybookie, mybookie.com, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E, mybookie.com. On the Vikings, I need to offer some clarity on something I said on this podcast a few episodes ago. I said that there had been a little bit of external dialogue about extending Sheldon Richardson. I'm actually told there hasn't been that dialogue. I continue to hear, though, internally... There is a sense that the Vikings feel like they have found their three-technique defensive tackle for the next handful of years, for the foreseeable future. Now, it'll come down to money. Richardson is a free agent of March. There's also an internal sense that it'll be tougher to replace Richardson than it will Barr. Do I see them keeping both guys? I don't. If I had to bet right now, Anthony Barr is elsewhere. Come March, but I do think that they can find a happy medium on Sheldon Richardson and Richardson really enjoys it here. But let me stress, there has been no external dialogue, at least in terms of, hey, what numbers are you looking for? What will it take to get a deal done between the Vikings, Rob Brzezinski, their capologist and their capologist department and Ben Dahlgra, the agent for Sheldon Richardson. The Vikings had a couple more CFL players in for workouts on Friday Alex Singleton, he's a linebacker, and kicker, Ty Long. Also on the workout front, not necessarily the Vikings, but former Gophers punter Ryan Santoso had a Jacksonville Jaguars workout last week. And I should have passed along the note last week that former Gophers linebacker Jonathan Celestine, he's been on this podcast before. He's a great guy. He signed with the New York Jets practice squad. All right, let's move on to the Wolves season ticket renewal forms go out in mid-January, I continue to hear that there's some nervous business people. They're just wondering how many people will be renewing as long as the current structure is in place. The Wolves had a scout on Monday at the Vandy-Arizona State game. They had a scout at the USC-Oklahoma game over the weekend. The Jeff Teague injury may keep him out another game or two, the ankle injury, but I'm told as of now, this is not a long-term issue. The Wolves don't feel like that Teague will miss a long amount of time. James Nunnally, we continue to watch the date of January 10th. That's when his contract will become fully guaranteed for the season. Until then, the Wolves could always cut James Nunnally if they wanted to bring somebody else in. I've been asked, hey, what about Austin Rivers? Are the Wolves interested in Austin Rivers? I'm told no. Now, the report earlier on Tuesday that he committed to the Memphis Grizzlies from the Athletic, that is wrong. I actually had somebody close to Rivers that I reached out to finding out if the Wolves had interest This person reached out to me and just said, hey, I just want to let you know, the report of Austin going to the Grizzlies, or at least committing to the Grizzlies, maybe ultimately ends up with the Grizzlies. We'll see. But this person said, hey, that report that Austin has already committed to the Grizzlies is 100% wrong. It is not true. But in terms of the Wolves having interest in Austin Rivers, there's no buzz as I tape this at 530 on Tuesday evening, the 18th of December. The Wolves will have multiple representatives later this week. At the G League Showcase. On the Gophers men's basketball front as of Tuesday morning, Eric Curry still has not been cleared for full contact. Now, he may end up playing on Friday. It sure would be nice to have Eric Curry for a couple games, get his feet wet before that January 3rd game at Wisconsin. He's doing more and more. He's able to do individual work, so he is incredibly close. But it's a little bit troubling that here on December 18th, he doesn't have full clearance. But he may get full clearance as soon as the 19th, then play no problem on Friday, the 21st, against North Carolina a and I do know he's close, but just know, as I record this, Eric Curry has not gotten full clearance. Richard Patino used last week, finals week, to do some recruiting. On Thursday, he stopped by Minnehaha Academy's practice. They have junior Jalen Suggs, who the Gophers want badly. They have sophomore center 7-1 center Chet Holmgren, who the Gophers want, who they've offered and Minnehaha has a freshman by the name of Prince Alegbay, who it's almost inevitable, it's pretty much a lock that eventually Richard Patino will make him an offer. He's only a ninth grader, but hey, Patino offered the Cretan Darham Hall ninth grader Trey Holloman, so wouldn't that be shocking if Prince Alegbe gets an offer sometime before the basketball season ends? But nonetheless, he was there to absolutely check out Suggs and Holmgren. Marquette was also in last week. Gonzaga will be in later this week with an assistant coach to watch Suggs. John Calipari in Rochester on Tuesday night to yet again keep an eye on Matthew Hurt, Rochester John Marshall. Hurt took his official visit to North Carolina last weekend, texting with somebody close to Matthew. I was told it was a very good visit, a business like visit, just like the Kentucky visit was. He'll visit Duke plus Kansas and Memphis. Villanova and the Gophers are still in Hurt's mix. Patino also, by the way, last week checked out the Easter Age Cretan game. So he checked out out Holloman and then Patino has offered two of Eastridge's players junior Ben Carlson and sophomore Kendall Brown that game was at Eastridge High School on Friday night Eastridge won that game they're one of the better teams in the state we'll finish on Gophers football signing day is tomorrow at least early signing day the early signing period it covers a few days begins on December 19th the Gophers expect to get 23 signatures Jason Williamson Mr. Football from the Great city of Owatonna, state champion, two-time state champion. Rushed for over 3,000 yards this year, nearly 50 touchdowns. I mean, just a beast, and he will be given every opportunity, something I've talked about on this podcast going back months, he will be given every opportunity to initially play running back for the Gophers. Now he's got some defensive back skill, so who knows? Maybe in a couple years he's a defensive back, but at least initially he'll be given a chance to play running back. Jason Williamson will sign his letter of intent. From Jamaica, I keep hearing great things about the quarterbacks that the Gophers are bringing in. Heck, I know a good amount about Cole Kramer. Now he probably runs the ball a lot, so it was hard to see Kramer's skill set on full display during the year. But in particular, Jacob Clark, the quarterback from the state of Texas, TCU tried hard. I mean, they've been trying hard. Iowa tried hard. I mean, Clark's offer list is really nice. I mean, Jacob Clark is a name to remember come spring practice, then into summer practice. Not that... Tanner Morgan can't win the job or Zach Anikstead can't win the job. But I do think Jacob Clark is going to be heard from in the quarterback battle as soon as next season before this thing is all said and done. I mentioned on episode 190 last week about the possibility of a Fleck extension. Then the Pioneer Press picked up on that a few hours later. And lo and behold, Fleck got a one-year extension. I can tell you that logically it makes sense. You want him to be extended all the way through his most recent recruiting class. That's what big-time programs do. So from a logical standpoint, it makes all sorts of sense. From a morale standpoint, I can tell you there are people in that athletic department upset because just a couple days prior to Flex signing his extension or being awarded his extension, he's been on the road a lot, so I guess I don't technically know if he's put pen to paper, but awarded the extension. I do know that a lot of coaches got emails saying their budgets Are being cut. So while there's cuts elsewhere, football keeps getting what they want. Now, my comeback to that is hey, everybody is treated fairly over there. Heck, Mark Coyle wouldn't have it any other way. Mark Coyle is going to treat people fairly, but to suggest that everybody gets treated equally would be baloney. And they shouldn't be, right? Football drives the bus, football should be king over everybody else. I just don't think football and Gymnastics should be treated equally. That's my own personal opinion. That's just my own commentary here on the Scoop podcast. But I can tell you, morale is not particularly high over there in the University of Minnesota Athletic Department. On the suspension front, I can just tell you, there's at least one defensive starter that has not been practicing. Now, Fleck will officially address the media at his signing day news conference on Wednesday at one fifteen. Now, hey, he's going to do five minutes on all 23 players, so that'll take easily an hour. So who knows how much time there will be for questions, but technically this is our first time to be able to talk to him since bowl preparations began. Since he got his extension, since we found out that there are some players not practicing, and again, I know of at least one defensive starter that hasn't been practicing. So there are questions, I think, that need to be asked. How he chooses to answer them. And if we have time to ask those questions, remains to be seen. I will add that the narrative should be that Fleck is cleaning up the program, that things got loose the one year under Tracy Clays, that Fleck has taken it upon himself to really clean things up. But I'm not quite sure that is the narrative. The university decided not to get out in front on this thing. So it's turned into a bit of a cluster. And, heck, we know that P.J., has his detractor so that just gives them that much more ammo and a lot of questions behind the scenes are being asked heck i know of one regent who has all sorts of questions you know he still supported the extension but just wondering about what is going on because he hears all these whispers and he'd like to get some answers now i figure hey if you're a regent go seek out the answers like you're the regent right you're one of the regents you can go get answers or you can at least go try and seek out some answers i did reach out to mark Coyle last week He didn't get back to me. That guy had coffee with Coyle for two and a half hours a few weeks ago. So it's not like he's anti-dealing with the media. You know, there is some transparency there. But I was surprised that he didn't even email me back to say, hey – you know, let's catch up later, whatever. So, you know, the university can choose to do and say what it wants to in regards to players missing practice, what their bowl status is at this point, a little bit up in the air, but I can just tell you to suggest that nothing is going on with the football program is laughable. By the way, Blake Cashman, not taking part in the bowl game, has committed to an agent. I know that agent, that agency, wants to announce on their own terms, but he met with an agent in the last week, week and a half, two weeks or so, and he committed to signing with that agent. And L. Green has already signed with an agent. So Green and Cashman for sure out for the bowl game. Hey, just what? Eight days away, the Gophers and Georgia Tech. Quick lane Bowl, Ford Field in Detroit. All right, that does it for Scoop Podcast episode 191. Always appreciate you listening. We'll be back. Who knows when? We'll be back in the relatively near future with another episode. God willing. He knows
0: he once ate an entire sheet cake. He knows your selfie life isn't your real life. He knows what goes down on the DMs. Shouldn't you know your dog better? Now you can learn his inner secrets with Embark, the highest-rated dog DNA test, unlocking over 350 breeds and screening for over 215 genetic health risks. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA. That's DNA to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health kit or Purebred kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today. Anticipation is building. The holidays are just around the corner, and at the Home Depot, we can't wait. With Black Friday savings all through November, you can count down to Christmas early with a Santa Countdown Inflatable Special Buy only $69.98 or anticipate when friends and family come to visit with an entrance full of LED lights that will welcome them and the holidays with open arms. Get the holiday magic started early. The Home Depot, how doers get more done.